Just one second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 More than words, Lord. More than words. There are people in this room that absolutely understand what those words mean. And it is, Father, it is a prayer from the bottom of our heart. Leave us astounded. Leave us amazed. Lord, show off your glory in this place. Lord, as we continue in your word, Lord, please bless us. Holy Spirit, invade this place. Father, give ears and eyes and hearts to receive. Father, touch us by your Holy Spirit supernaturally that we will leave here changed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 I, that wasn't very fair to the young people. I apologize. Hallelujah. Good morning. So again, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we get started, is there anyone in here, I mean, you're, you're going through a spiritual battle, whether it's in your body, whether it's in your emotions, I mean, something's going on. We're all always in a battle, I understand that. that, that that's not what I'm saying to you. But there's something that has been persistent, something that you've gone to the Lord for uh, more than once, or something that's causing you to be a little bit more anxious, and you know that anxiety is not of the Lord. So is there anything... Please, when, I give, when we give altar calls here, I don't know if everybody's shy or people think that maybe you know, people are going to think you're in sin or anything like that. This, this, is, this is not that. This is the time when the body of Christ comes together and we pray for one another. And you know what? That scripture specifically, and you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. Maybe someone new is watching or whatever. Um, listen, the scripture where it says where two or more are gathered in his name, he's in the midst that has everything to do. The context is when we are in his midst, he's there hearing our prayers. Thank you. So there are more than two gathered in this room that truly are, listen, not just our name in the name of Jesus, but truly believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was and who are trying to follow him or abiding in Christ right now. There are more than two people in this room I know. Amen? Amen. So now, so, so watch. That means whatever we pray, According to scripture, he's right here with us. And at the same time, simultaneously, because he is God, he's in the throne room, of, and we're, we're boldly be going, going before the throne of grace, because he's there. Amen? So look, whatever it is, whatever it is, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, nephews, whatever it is, you have a problem, and you're, you're a physical problem. Uh, you're, you're asking for direction on something. Specifically, it's bothering you. There's this... This, there's this recurring stumbling block in your life. You just can't get over it. You need help. Let's, let's, let's go to him in prayer now, but I want to tell you, this message is for all of us, but I want you to understand that God is for you. God is for you. And God isn't looking for excuses not to answer your prayer. He wants to answer your prayer. Amen? So, Father, here we are. A group of people in this room and hopefully you know, right now simultaneously watching online or even if they're watching recorded, Father, you knew who would be hearing it. And Lord, so right now we reach out to you in Jesus' name, touching each other by our mutual faith, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we believe you. Lord, we, 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 we have so many needs, but Lord, sometimes we don't know what to ask for. So Lord, whether we think these things are worthy of asking you or not, Lord, nevertheless, here we are, Lord. So Lord, these things, whether it be pain and, and uh, you know, some physical ailments in our bodies, Lord, whether it's these young people, our children that we continue to pray for and we don't see anything happening right now, Lord, but we know that you're for us. So Lord, give us strength to stand and know that we continue to lift up our children and their children to you, Father, that everything will work out according to your great will. You're not willing that they should be lost. So Lord, we're asking that you would put laborers in their paths and that you would bring them back to your house. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray that we would be really un unbelievably without any shadow of any doubt, just have a supernatural experience that, Lord, although we were sick in our bodies, although we had pain for whatever, you touched us in our physical bodies and we are, we are healed in Jesus' name. Lord, because we keep having these recurring negative thoughts and we're having so much trouble forgiving and, and all of these things, Lord, that just bog us down, that, that puts separation between you and us, Lord. I can't even pray, don't even have a solid, a quiet time any, Lord, anymore, Lord. So please, Lord, in Jesus' name, bring healing to our hearts. Lord, give us this power that we may forgive. Father, extend your grace and mercy toward us that we might extend grace and mercy toward others Lord please help us to forgive in our own flesh we're having a hard time forgiving in our own flesh Lord we're having a hard time not being angry in our own flesh Lord we're having a hard time not being anxious so Lord in Jesus name give us your shalom in Jesus name touch us fresh and new in Jesus name Father, cause us to walk out of here with a new determination to walk in the freedom and the prosperity, spiritual prosperity that you've given us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I, I'm just going to trust God. If there was anything in there and you're serious, God answers. Okay, so walk out of here knowing that God answers. So I'm going to go ahead and go with what I had planned, and that was uh, in, in the last few weeks we've been in uh, Luke 18. And remember, the, uh, the impetus or the, the, the bottom line was this Luke 18, 8. Um, and remember, it was the second part. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So if you remember when we, were, we dove into that a little bit deeper last week, and, and that really, that, that answer or that statement that Jesus is making, actually, that started back in chapter 17. Well, they asked him about the kingdom. Remember when they asked him about the kingdom and he had to remind them that the kingdom of God is in you. It's not something you're going to be able to see. But remember what he added to that. He's speaking to his disciples and he says, you're going to be longing for a day when the Son of Man, like one of these days when I'm with you. What he's saying to them is, it's, it's going to get tough. Right? And you're going to be longing for that day. Amen? So he continues on and on, and we know that he comes to that, that parable. And that parable in, in, in uh, verse 3 of 18, Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. So I put this together again just to remind you. 
because this, uh, this parable is actually for us. It's actually not something that was just for them, and it's not something that we have to really dig deep and find. What did he mean by this parable? He flat out tells us. Amen? But remember, in Peter, I, I, I drew your attention here to the adversary, but remember in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have an adversary. Just by breathing air in this current situation, we have an adversary. And if you're t the more you try to walk like Jesus, the more he's going to come up against you. Why? Isn't that silly? I mean, hey, watch. Say, I was a defensive back when I was in high. I was a very good one too, by the way, just, just in case you were wondering. I was a defensive back. Very so say I picked off a ball, and for some reason I got turned around, and I'm running the wrong way. If I was running... I, am I, if I'm running the wrong way. Now, if I were on that other team, I'd just let me go. Let him go. He's running the wrong way. That's going to help us. So what does that have to do with what I just said? When you're going the right way, he's going to do what he needs to do to stop you. If you're going the wrong way, you don't really have an adversary. Come on. Come on. So, listen, the more you try to walk with God, sometimes the more difficult it's going to be. And I know that's not popular to say. And I know that's, yeah, sunshine and lollipops. Once you give your life to Jesus, everything is peachy keen. No. No. But, my brothers and sisters, I know you know that. But, look, it's not just, my brothers and sisters, it's not just whether we actually know that or not. What are we, how are we conducting ourselves? How are we executing our life right now? Amen? Okay, so now look in Luke, again, and I, sh I told you very specifically, when you begin in Luke 18, the first verse says this, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. So if remember that will, she goes to an unjust judge, and she's asking him constantly, give me victory over my adversary, right? And so Jesus, before he tells this parable, he already tells you what he wants you to know. You didn't even have to be as smart as me to figure that out. Men will always, always ought to pray and not lose heart. Not lose heart. Not lose heart. So do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust God? See, and I know everybody in this room and probably many people, yes, I do. Okay, but you really got to trust him. And see, that's what this thing is saying because she's going back and she's going back and no matter what, she knows where she's getting her answer. you got to know where you're getting your answer. you got to know who the one is, the only one who can give you justice, the only one that can provide what you need in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now I'm going to read a pretty long passage, so please stay with me. I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to be reading still out of uh, Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to begin in verse 9. So please turn your Bibles there. While you're turning your Bibles to Luke 18 and 9, I'm going to, I, I ran into something this week and I've got some, uh, I, I pulled some ex excerpts from a, uh, an article. This article, there's a couple of different um, articles that were written on this same subject. I pulled one that's from the Christian Post. Here's the headline. PETA sells vegan-friendly AI, Bible rewrite, where Abraham skips sacrificing Isaac, befriends a lamb instead. So PETA has used artificial intelligence and they began rewriting the Bible. Oh, see, not too crazy Tony was when he started telling you months ago, make sure you got a printed one. They're using AI. Well, okay, let me just give you some. Now, it's written by Ian uh, Giotti. 
uh, from the Christian Post. And there was another one that I ran into that was written by another writer, different article, different publication. But I'm just going to give you some highlights from this, okay? For just $3.99, you can buy a vegan-friendly version of the Word of God. Well, that's not quite how it's advertised. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, is selling an AI-crafted rewrite of the Bible that aligns the book of Genesis with the group's animal rights messaging. Okay? So I'm going to give you some other excerpts. This is not going to be contiguous. I'm giving you another, you know, some paragraphs later. Here's what it says. The Bible has long been used to justify all forms of oppression, so we've used chat... GPT to make it clear that a loving God would never endorse, endorse excuse me, exploitation of, a, of cruelty to animals. It took God only six days to create the entire world, but we realize it would take us years to rewrite the whole Bible, which is why we've started with just the first book. A PETA U.S. spokesperson told the Christian Post that despite rewriting the first book of the Christian Bible, they have no plans to reimagine the sacred writings of other religions. Why is that? Why is that? Further down, as far as the campaign potentially being offensive to Christians, PETA said that the organizations embark on this project at the behest of Christian members. What? and called anyone who is offended by the book wrong-headed. <laughs> this modern rendering of Genesis is a positive approach to bringing more people to understand God's message of compassion, a return to the Garden of Eden, if you will. She said that the chat box interpretation of creation story clarifies and highlights God's intended message of kindness, gentleness, and love for everyone. Thank God for chat GPT because we would have never known what God really meant when he wrote his own book. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. As silly as some of you are, are you know, oh, shaking your head. I can't, you, some, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I told you this would happen. But let me just say something to you here. This PETA thing, you know, just on face value, a lot of it's ridiculous. You know, they're talking about God didn't give them animal skins. He made hemp clothes for Adam and Eve and all this other stuff. Talks about them finding a dog, uh, this being Sarah and, uh, and Abraham. Just totally under... And talks about now the kindness and... See, now God told us and showed us what his love was. Yeah. He, he, he actually absolutely sp spelled it out for us, not just said it, but did it. Got up on a cross, let them yeah. beat him brutally, and, and did it. Amen? Amen? I don't need for them to rewrite the Bible, right? So now, as ridiculous as this sounds, my brothers and sisters, this may be also part of the whole plan for people like us to get relaxed and say, oh, that's so stupid. See, that's, so that's going to be obvious. No, it's not going to be as obvious. When they really get down and dirty with it, our kids will be reading Bibles, versions of Bibles that do not say what God is saying. Period. It's going to be close enough where they're going to remember what you taught them. But my brothers and sisters, we have people in this room who have children who have grown up in the church who believe such nonsense right now. So that's why I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And so now, I hope yet you've made it to Luke chapter 18. I almost forgot where we were going. <laughs> but lucky for you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so in verse 9, now remember, again, this is continuing. We've already heard that parable, and now we're continuing. He spoke this parable. Also, he spoke another parable in verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, 
I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then they also brought infants to him. That, that, see, now look, watch. He told that parable after the other one, and now something else happens. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? So listen, there's a reason why I wanted to read that all together. It, I want you to see for yourself, if you haven't been in Luke for a long time, this happens consecutively. And I believe that Holy Spirit did this for a reason. Okay? So we're going from where we were in 18 for that one parable, and now we're going to this next parable. So we'll break it down now a little bit at a time here. Okay? So we're going back to that uh, parable uh, in verse uh, 9, beginning verse 9. So you have, just let me set it up this way for you. So you have this Pharisee who's praying, and he's praying, thanking God he's not like that other guy. And he's bra bragging about him fasting two times a week, and he ties of everything that he possesses. Get the picture? I can almost picture this, right? I could picture, now look, the Pharisees were a sect that was started, as best I could ascertain through reading and studying, the Pharisees were a sect that were actually started pro about 150 years before Christ. And these were folks that, these were the men who actually separated themselves. They actually adhered to the word of God. They adhered to the law and the prophets as, as tightly and they were strict, right? And so then you had also the Sadducees and you also had, like in Jesus' day, you had the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Herodians. Those, the Herodians were more like um, carnal believers. They were Jews, but... You know, they really were more like Herod, Herod himself. He was a, a king. He was a puppet king of the Romans. He, you know, let himself be subjugated by the Romans. He kind of, you know, did them favors and did all that stuff. He, you know, he, he actually, uh, you know, built uh, statues and things of that nature, memorials for the Romans. And, you know, he was, kind of, he was pagan. He was kind of, he was, said he was a Jew, but he was kind of mixing the paganism and the Judaism. Um, carnal Christian. You would, you would say somebody who calls themselves a Christian but is living according to you know, the principles and precepts of the world. Not really a Christian, so not really a Jew. So then you also had the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees existed probably, I think, about 200 
plus years before Jesus, even longer than the Pharisees. The Sadducees only believed in the Mosaic Law, as far as I could ascertain through reading and studying. And so they only believed in the Mosaic Law. They also did not believe in eternal life like the truth, like we know it. They themselves believed in some form of um, reincarnation. And they believed that you got your just rewards when you were here on earth. So if you were living according to the law, you would be blessed. If you were not living according to the law, bad things would happen to you. Okay, so now, the reason why I say that, in that one uh, portion of Scripture, the rich young ruler, when they react, when the disciples react, well then who could be saved? Because they're used to some of that being mixed, where in their culture they thought anyone who was rich, anyone who was being blessed, were actually blessed by God. They were followers of God. And if you're following God and you're being blessed by God and you're not saved, right? If you're, being, if you're rich, you must be following God. And if that person that Jesus just said, the rich can't get into heaven. It's hard for them to get into heaven. So, see, that's what blew their minds. Okay, so now, I don't want to confuse you or anything, so we're going back. So you have this Pharisee who's praying. And remember, this is a parable. And Jesus is trying to teach something. What is he trying to teach? He's teaching something. There's this Pharisee, this person who is supposed to be the one who is steeped, se separated out, living a chaste life, living a holy life, living a purified life according to the law and to the prophets. And as he's praying, he's saying, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. Thank you like I'm not like other people. Thank you that I'm not a sinner. Thank you, Lord. Here, look at what I'm doing for you, Lord. Look at how I'm fasting. Look at how I'm giving tithes of all that I possess. Amen? But then you, it, it, it contrasts it. You put that up there for me, uh, would you, Kason? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The tax collector standing far off with not so much as rate. He's so humble, so hum humiliated before God, feeling such a... Cr can you, have you ever been there? Have you ever done something and then you can't even... I mean, I just... God, I'm sorry. Even as a Christian, even as someone, especially as someone who was born again, especially as someone who understands and has Holy Spirit inside of them pricking their hearts, when I make a mistake or when you make a mistake and you've offended somebody or you, something, you let something cross your lips that should have never crossed your lips or you got mad, I, got, I told you I got mad at my wife, I had a, man, I'm so sorry, it bothered me for a, a, a half a day, I had a, come, come on. It bothers you, it inside you, it, it tweaks your heart, it burdens you. I'm not even worthy. But so I can imagine, I could picture this, this tax collector, one who is not just a sinner, one who is, you know, he's actually, his own countrymen hate him because he's working for the Romans. His own countrymen hate him because they know that he's skimming. You know, his own countrymen hate him. He's a traitor. He's a thief. He's a traitor. He's a liar. And there he is, standing before God in his condition, can't even look up to the heavens and saying, have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. But then you see the contrast. You see the Pharisee, the one who knows the law, the one who is supposed to be living according to the law, and he's saying this, because I fast twice a week, and because I give tithes of all, of I, all that I possess, I'm good. And Jesus says, no. No. The one who was broken before God is the one who went home justified. 
See, the Pharisees knew by that time, by the time Jesus walked the earth, I, I, I can't speak to this. I wasn't there. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, when the, when the Pharisees started and they wanted to live according to the law of Moses and they wanted to live according to all the prophets and everything, it, it might have been sincere. It might have been where, you know what, we need to get this thing back where we're living in strict adherence to the law of God. We're going to separate our, ourselves out from you know, all of these other things, all of these mistakes that our forefathers made. Well, we gotta, we gotta live in covenant. We're going to live in covenant with God. So maybe it started off being something that was really true, really, really good. But we know for a fact by the time Jesus was there, Jesus was saying, you guys are sons of the devil. You guys, are, why? Because they, they, they came to be like most human beings. I've changed. I'm living this way. Other people are living that way. Oh, and by the way, they still did things in secret. But what Jesus was doing was he's exposing these things. He's saying what's really inside is what counts. It's not according to what you think you're doing that God deserves or you deserve uh, uh, something back from God or God owes you now. I fasted twice this week, so God owes me something. Uh, I'm giving a, t a tenth of everything that I own, so God owes me something. No, that's not a, that. Listen, that's not a changed heart, right? And so that's why when you see this contrast, Jesus is showing something. Why am I saying this? Because my brothers and sisters, it's 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 among us that if we've just curtailed a little bit of what we're doing, or if I show up to church on Sunday, good things are going to happen. If I just, I'm, I'm becoming, uh, uh, hallelujah. And I'm glad that you all come to church. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm glad you're watching. I'm so glad. But at the same time, I know that many of you in this room, if not all of you in this room, are mature enough to know that going to church is what you do because you are saved, because you love God. It's not because you're owed anything. You want to get into the presence of God. You don't leave here thinking, okay, I did my duty this week and now God is going to bless me this week. No. You've been blessed by being in His presence. Amen. Come on. Right. Hallelujah. Thank you, That's what Jesus is teaching us. So, there's so much meat right here. But my brothers and sisters, we, because it's just... What, what, what's the word? Should I say uh, rudimentary, pedestrian? It's just, it's just so, yeah, it's not, it's, I'm not talking about demonology. I'm, I'm not talking about these deep, deep spiritual things. This is spiritual. Because there you have the people who are the ones who are the leaders of, of the people, the leaders of you know, the theology, theocracy, the leaders of the Jewish people. They're, they're, they're living a certain way outwardly, but inside it's not right. And that's why eventually we're going to talk about, if the Lord allows, the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's, it's inside. They didn't understand. It's inside. It's a changed heart. So how in the world can I, can I think that I'm close with God when I'm looking at other people and I'm saying, man, I'm glad I ain't like that. Or, yeah, look at how, you know, man, I've come a long way. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Man, I used to not have two nickels to rub together. Now I got a couple of quarters. Thank you, God. I used to have, I used to say a bunch of bad words, but now I don't say any bad words anymore. 
No, you stop it before it gets out there. But if inside of you, you want to say that bad word, there's still some work to be done. I'm, it's good that you didn't say it. Don't get me wrong. But if you get to, see, if there's some changes on the inside that have to happen. And if you're still, if, if we cannot get satisfied with where we are and say, well, I'm different than that person. I'm different than I used to be. No, what, what's, on the, what's going on on the inside? You know what? That person that we look at, let, let's just talk specifically in our day and age. If we look at in our day and age, some of the things that we really see, okay? If we see some of the things in our day and age that, 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 are, that are happening, you know, it's real easy, and I've said it from this pulpit many times, it's really easy for us to pick out and say, well, homosexuality, transgenderism, the gender bending, it's disgusting, it's terrible, it's horrible. Yes, it is. But I'm going to keep saying this. My brothers and my sisters, they need help. Jesus died for them. We cannot say, you know what, they're not worth, I'm glad I'm not like that, or I'm not, my kid's not going to go to the Yeah, don't let your kid go near that. If you have your kid in public school and they're teaching that, yank them out of public school. Well, where am I going to put them? Homeschool them. Oh, I can't, I got to work. Homeschool them. Do you care about your kid? Boy, I, I could go a whole other trail right there, can't I? But my brothers and sisters, listen, listen. We, we can look and we can pick those things out and we say how horrible and how terrible it is. And LJ was uh, saying something to me. Was it last week, LJ? Last week, uh, Jimmy was uh, at a Walmart, some, one of these Walmarts here, and they had a booth set up where they were counseling, if I get this wrong, LJ, correct me, they were trying to counsel young people as it relates to uh, changing their gender. And they had this booth set up in Walmart. And they're doing this stuff, and you know, who know, you know, whether the kids are accompanied by parents or not, they're teaching and preaching this to the kids in Walmart. Now, LJ, <laughs> let his feelings be known. <laughs> now, I feel like, now let me ask you this. If I go in there and I'm saying, okay, I'm the pastor from down the road, I want to go ahead and I want to set up a booth and I want to counsel young people, what do you think the answer will be? No. Absolutely not. So now watch. So here's, what are you saying, Tony? See, I can say, well, good, look, at least we're not like them. Really? We need to take it a step further, and we need to be looking at those folks who suffer with those disabilities, and I don't mean a disability the way they mean it. I mean these spiritual... I almost said, I almost said a, a slang that I didn't want to say. This spiritual garbage this spiritual bondage that they're in and not feel animus toward them and not feel angry toward them but feel compassion toward them and lift them up in prayer somehow, some way. And not think that because I'm not like that, I'm superior. No, I may have some... I have other, I'm not, I, may, I, may, I have other problems. Come on. You say the same thing every week, Tony. Yep, I guess I do. Hallelujah. So, so we see this, and Jesus must have wanted us to really understand what this is, what, what the meaning of this is. You know, so now we're, look at what we're talking. Man, we, we never give up. We always trust God. We keep making our petition to God. He's the only one that could give us justice. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so now, listen, watch, and be humble before Him. Don't go in there thinking that we, He owes us something. Be humble. Be humble toward God, but be humble toward each other. Hallelujah. So continuing in, in 18, in, in verse 15, he also brought in, they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to himself and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, 
For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. My brothers and sisters, you know what? Again, you see now, this, what's the discussion? What's the... Humility. 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 Be humble. Trust him. So look at this other scripture. See, when I'm doing my exegete, um, you exegete the scriptures. When I exegete the scriptures, I'm using other scripture to exegete the scriptures. That's that, the scripture interprets scripture. I'm not going to read somebody's commentary and then take whatever they believe. And No, and you can't take what Pastor Tony says and just, well, whatever Tony says. No, you've got to exegete the scriptures for yourself. What does that mean? Read other scriptures. So I'm showing you here right now, what, the, you know, give us some zisbumba. What does this mean? Is it really humility? Yes, it is. Look at <clears throat> Matthew 18, beginning of verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, converted, I'm going to pause there for a minute. See, so, so many times I think what happens is we're not fully converted. We, we have not really, brothers and sisters, it's a gospel of repentance. I'm, I'm repenting. I've got to go another way, and that way is Jesus. That's converted. That's converted. Amen? Okay and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So listen, so how do I know when Jesus is saying, listen, don't, let the, don't, don't forbid the children to come to me, bring them, because such is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does he mean by that? A bunch of kids running around being crazy? Does he mean that, you know, no matter what, you know, you should never be, uh, you'll never mistreat a kid? Is he talking about, you should never mistreat a kid, by the way. But you understand what I'm saying. No, but he's, he's speaking specifically of humility. Humility before God in that whatever God, you trust him. Trust him. Like these children. That's what he's saying. You have to receive the kingdom of God. You have to, you have to receive the things of God, his word, and you have to be like a child. Like a child. Not childish, but like a child in the fact... I'll give you... Uh, I, I don't know how many months ago it was. I can't recall. But anyway, one time we rented a boat. <clears throat> it was um, it, my family. And I know we were... That's when Ancloat still had that uh, sandbar. And we drove the boat. We tried to get the boat as close to the sandbar as we can. And I just remember this. The, we had the gate open to the front of this pontoon boat. And, and Mitch and Rachel are standing out in front of the boat. And you have... Brinley and McKinley with their little life jackets on and jump. They want to jump in, right? So, so Mitch and Rachel are taking turns. And Pop-Pop's on the front freaking out. Ah, I'm hanging on to them. So they don't jump before Mitch and Rachel are ready. Those kids jumped in. Why? They trusted that mommy and daddy are going to catch them. That, that's such a simple example, but it's so true. It's, it's so true. I, I can't remember. I think it was my son way back in the old days when we were uh, in my dad's church. My son was just a toddler. I think my, my father put him on the platform and he was trying to do this same kind of imagery and says, hey, jump. And my son didn't even, just jumped. My father did a lot of silly things too. He'd tell my nephew, hey, because my father had pretty big arms. He'd, he'd do this and he'd blow on his thumb. And, his, and so my nephew blew on that thumb and he couldn't get it. He was just trusting what his grandfather told him. You know, just blow on that thumb and that, it's going to grow like mine. 
But, do you, but you know, that's silly, right? Isn't it silly? It is silly. But the fact of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus is saying. When God speaks to us, we just need to believe him. When God says, jump, I've got you, he means, I got you. And you just got to jump. But the problem is, sometimes we want to jump even though God is saying, don't jump. I'm not there. I'm not the one there that's looking to catch you. That's somebody else looking to deceive you. Hallelujah. Be humble. Be like a child. And be... Come on. Is this, is this tracking with anybody besides me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then we go to the, the last one, the rich young ruler. And so, now watch. Uh, you know, we had a couple of parables. The, the lady and the, the, the unjust judge. You know, we have the, the other one between the, the Pharisee and, the, and then Jesus talks about, he, he uses a, a moment when the infants were coming to, and now leave the, the disciples. Are, listen, all those parents wanted to do, let me, let me I, I got to go down this trail. I love seeing, you know, MJ here, and I know Rachel and Mitch have our twins in the back there. I, I love seeing the little kids. All, of, all those parents were wanting to do was for Jesus. They wanted a rabbinical blessing on their children. They weren't asking the Messiah to save their kids for eternity and all that. All they wanted was a rabbinical blessing. That's it. Bless my children. Bless them. So, so, so look, you're God's kid. The way you feel about your kid, God feels even stronger about you. And by the way, the way you feel about your kid, God loves them more. So watch, I want my kids, my grandkids, you want your kids, your grandkids blessed. What do I do? Bring them to God. Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Amen. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Hallelujah. So now we go to the rich young ruler. If you'll remember in that... Uh, the 18th verse of Luke 18, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So watch. Now, we know Jesus told him what to do and all that. But see, he's going to him and he's saying, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus asks him. He doesn't know what Jesus is going to say to him, I don't guess. And Jesus tells him, Well, you know, obey the commandments, right? Now, he gives the answer, That I've done since I've been a child, since I've been a young person, right? He didn't know that, I don't believe, that he knew what Jesus would say. So when he goes and actually asks him the question, what do I do to inherit eternal life, is it because he knew something was missing? Did, did he know that, you know, I have all of this wealth and all of these riches, and in that culture, in some corners of that culture, they equate that with godliness? So now he's going to Jesus. Is there, a, is there a question because maybe he heard some of the things that Jesus is preaching and so now he's questioning within himself and, and he wants to know that he knows that maybe there's something I'm missing or maybe you know just Jesus will help me out because I really have this sense that I'm not there yet? Or is he really like some of us in the modern era who we just want to be reassured by somebody, you're okay, you're okay. What was he going expecting to hear? Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? So, so do we do that? Come on, do we do that? Do we, 
Do we want, to, do, when we seek counsel or when we're reading the word, do we really want to know the absolute truth? Do we want to, do we want, and listen, will we only trust God when he's saying something that kind of reassures us the way we want to be reassured? Do we only trust God, um, you know, when maybe, uh, you know, there's this, this one thing that we want to hear, and, and if we don't hear that, then not so much. Or do we only seek out those people who interpret the scripture for us the way we need it interpreted in that moment? So watch. Jesus knew, obviously. And he says, you know this, you know this commandments, you know the scriptures, do this, do, don't do this, don't, right? And he says, all these things I've done. So look at verse 22 with me. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. See, my brothers and sisters, look. <clears throat> Again, this leads me to believe that he either just wanted reassurance or there was just some little magic pill that he could take. There was one little thing. So it's one of the two, in my opinion. It has to be one of the two. He just wanted to be reassured that the track that he was on was good or he has a sense of lack and he wants Jesus to fill in that little blank. Where are you? Where are you? Come on. My brothers and my sisters, we live in such a society where you know, some, of the most, um, some of the most lower end people that live in our culture would be considered just about rich in other cultures currently, but certainly in that culture. And I know you've heard that before. So my brothers and sisters, how can we... And, and remember now, that in that culture, this guy was probably considered, again, was probably considered he was living a right life. That's why he's rich. Mm. So how many of us are okay because we have things that we need and we have things that we want? And because we're in that place, we're a little bit comfortable and we forget that we need to trust God for everything, for everything. Give us this day our daily bread. Why would Jesus say to pray that way, right? If he didn't want you and I to understand that we should be given that. Yeah, but even people that aren't born again, even people that don't believe in God still eat every day. Okay, we're not talking about everybody else. We're talking about us. We're talking about his kids. He wants you to know that you know that you should be dependent on him and understand and acknowledge that your needs are going to be met by him one way or another. But you've got to trust him. Do you trust him? See, we say that. I've been in those places myself. And, and I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I trust him. I trust him. He's my provider. But, you know, then when something happens and all of a sudden... Not so much. I'm looking, okay, how am I going to work this out? How am I going to fix this? What am I going to do about that? It stops being less about me depending on him and more depending on my own resources. So whether it's material things, whether it's the resources of money, being rich, being wealthy, or whether it's just intellect, pure intellect. Right? There's some people in this room and some people watching that have a high degree of intellect. And so we could even get so haughty about that where we, you know, we forget. We forget. We got to trust God because as knowledgeable and as, much, as wise as we think we are in the world, you know what? It says that that's foolishness to God. 
Amen? So think about all of the things that, that Jesus is saying to us. Where, where are we? Where, where are we? Where are we? Can we be... Can we be bulldog enough? Can we have that kind of trust and that kind of faith to be like that widow who wanted her adversary, wanted victory over her adversary, and she knew where to go and not trust in anybody else and keep dogging him, even though she, he, may have, he may have insulted her before he turned away. Her, or are we like, are we like, can we be like that tax collector that understands, I'm, I'm a sinner, no matter how good I think I am, no matter how much wealth I actually have accumulated, like the rich young ruler, I need God. Or are we like the Pharisee? I'm doing enough spiritual things in my life that God should be taking care of me. Come on. Who, who do you trust? Do you trust Him? Hallelujah. Do you trust Him? In verse 24, when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, the rich young ruler, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Look at verse 26 with me. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But look at verse 27. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. See, my brothers and sisters, that's what we're talking about right now. When we come up against it, when things are going good and, we're, and, and our finances or, or our material possessions or the things that we have with our own abilities are sufficing in that moment, right? It's, yeah, I'm trusting God. God's providing. Okay, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give Him glory because He is. But the, when the rubber meets the road, when you can't buy your way out of it, you can't sweet talk your way out of it, you can't manipulate someone, you can't use your intellect to go ahead... And it just seems like I've tried everything else. Don't try everything else. Go to God. Because no matter how hard it is, no matter what, see, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I've prayed for my, my, my son, my daughter, my granddaughter, my grandson, my nephew, my niece. I've been praying for them and just nothing happened. Nothing changed. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Hallelujah. Man, I, no matter what I do, we get on track and then financially something explodes and all that. Jehovah Jireh, he's your provider. Listen, yeah, but you know, I, I, maybe you're not, maybe, maybe you, you're, you're just wealthy, you've got the house, you've got the car and the income is good, you've got a good job and all this other stuff. Okay, keep on living. Keep on living. Keep on living. Because something is going to happen. Why? Because that's the world that we're living in and you have an adversary. And eventually, if you are living after God, he's going to try to tag you. He's going to try to manipulate you. He's going to try to intimidate you. There's going to be something to try to get you off a of track. Amen. And that's going to be, then there's going to be those some things that you're going to think, well, why does this happen? Because, you know, after all, I go to church every Sunday. I volunteer at the church or, you know, I pray and I fast and all this other stuff. Are you trusting him? Are you trusting him? Have you totally trusted him? And I want to say to some of you watching, are you converted? Have you converted? Are you really converted? Are you really born again? Have you really given your heart, your life, everything that you are to Christ? Because that really, in and of itself, is a big issue. 
we go about these things and we change and, and we, we change some of the things we do, we change some of the things we hear, we change some things, but we're not fully converted. And because we're not fully converted, this stuff doesn't work out for us. Why? Well, we're, we've got one foot on this track, one foot on the other track. My brothers and my sisters, listen, uh, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. Maybe because of somebody in here, but maybe it's just simply because somebody's watching. But the fact of the matter is, no matter what state we find ourselves in, it all boils down to, do you trust God? Do you trust God? Because if you're professing it with your mouth and you're, tr- and you're living a life, it's going to be tested. It will be tested. I want to I show you, do you trust God? Look at Hebrews 11 with me. We're almost done. Hebrews 11, all, you guys are all familiar with this passage. Hebrews 11, verse 1. We're going to go through three. Look at it with me. Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. He's talking about the forefathers, the Old Testament saints. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. How do we know that? Because science proves it. Faith. Faith. We believe what God said. God said he did it. We believe him. So that the things which are not seen were not made of things which are visible. Do you understand? So the very essence, some of you say, well, I have have no trouble believing that, Tony. I have no trouble believing what what it says in Genesis, in the beginning of God. God created the heavens and earth. I I believe that. The earth became uh, void, uh, formless and void, and darkness covered the deep. My brothers and sisters, yeah, I I believe that. And God said, let there be light. I, I believe all of that. Okay, great. So let me ask you something. You can believe in that supreme being that spoke everything that we see into in, in existence, and when he says that he has your best interest in heart, you don't believe that? Or he says that he wants your kids saved just as badly as you do, and you don't believe that? Or he says he wants you healed, but you get a bad report from the doctor, and you don't believe it? Come on, I'm not trying to... I'm, I'm, no condemnation. Or the doctor says this about you and you're just going to take the doctor's word for it? Well, it's been proven. I had second opinions. Okay, fine. That's the diagnosis. That's what it is. Awesome. Great. But trust God. Easy for you to say, Tony, you don't have nothing wrong with you. Yes, I do. I didn't get any amens. (laughs) If my wife is here, she'd say yes and amen. No, we all have things, especially as we get older. We all have things. We all have issues. Physical issues. And what about the hurts and the, and the suffering that we did in the past? What about the rejection that we suffered from other people? What about the times when someone was just totally, totally mistreated us and we have scars in there, but we haven't forgiven? Come on. Is God able? Yeah, He's able. Give it to Him. He wants you healed spiritually, physically. If He could speak the worlds into existence, what makes you think that He can't do that? Continuing in, in um, Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which would receive and he would receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And we know ultimately, my brothers and sisters, that's going to be the new Jerusalem that comes out. My brothers and sisters, listen, Abraham, we know the story of Abraham. He was a pagan. Abraham was called by God to go, to, he's get up and go to a place I'm going to show you. He got up and went, not knowing exactly where he was going. He trusted God. 
He trusted God. Further down in Hebrews, by faith, in 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Peter. He offered up Isaac, who, he, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Do you see what that scripture is saying? And you guys know this, but, but maybe someone knew. You, you, you don't know this. When God required Abraham to offer Isaac, his one and only son. Remember, and now he's 100 years old, Sarah's 90, the year before that or prior to that, nine months before, no, this was years before that because Isaac was already a, a young boy when this happened. But remember, when he was born, 100 years old, 90 years old, my brothers and my sisters, they, they couldn't have kids. You know that. God said, listen, that one that's going to be born, that one is going to be the heir. That is the one the promise is coming through. Amen. Not the one that you had with your handmaiden, not your servant's sons, none of them. It's this one who I'm promising you out there somewhere, that's the one. Remember that? Guys, remember that? Okay, so now watch. So look at what this is saying. The testimony of Abraham is, look, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to do exactly what God told me to do. Period, that's it. Because I also know that somewhere along the line, God is going to have to raise this boy from the dead because he told me that, that all of that that he promised me is coming through that boy. So when it says in a figurative way, what the scripture is telling us, basically there was a death sentence on Isaac. <laughs> there was a death sentence on Isaac. But God. <laughs> but God. Remember what happened? Isaac was just about to get his throat slit. Come on. Stay with me. Isaac was just about to get his throat slit. God stopped him. And then there was a ram that was caught up in the thicket. But remember what was said on their way up. Isaac was, God, I, I, Dad, I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the lamb? God, Abraham prophesying, God will provide for himself a lamb. Yes. That whole thing speaks to Jesus Christ. There was a death sentence on you and on me. We had a death sentence on us. But God, hallelujah, but God, he provided for himself a lamb. Amen? His name was Jesus. So even back then, those thousands of years before it actually happened, God was showing us exactly how it was going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So take that, Peter. I don't need chat GPT telling me how it really was. God just told me how it really was. Trust God. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Abraham is a great... He, he trusted him. But now I want to go just a little bit further. Just give me a few more minutes. Just a little bit further. Because now we're New Testament. Man, we're different. Yeah, we should be different. Because, listen, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We could look back and see all of this thing, how it happened, how it played out. And we know. And we're looking back on a risen Savior, by the way. So we should be all the more willing to trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Amen? Well, look at me with me in James. In James 21, we'll get to 24, and we'll look at that one together. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac his son on the altar, 
Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect, completed. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, he trusted God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Now look at verse 24 with me. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Well, oh, so, yeah, so now you mean to tell me that no, yeah, you know, this is not trying to get you to doubt your salvation. This is not saying that you know, you've got to serve a penance before God can save you. No, what this is saying is true faith, real faith, real faith, it just absolutely trusts God. It's going to be tested. There's got to be works that back it up. You can't say that I have faith. And then later on in that same scripture, and you know what? I was, when I was meditating on this, love. Love is an action word. Love is an action. Love is commitment. I'm going to do something. Regardless of who you are, which you guys know, that agape, true love, God, the love that God is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The essence of God is love. Amen? So God is pure love. And that love is relational. There has, to be, there has to be relationship. It has to be shared. There's, it's, it's a verb. It's, it's action. Come on. I feel like I'm getting too excited. You know what I mean? Am I, am I messing that up? No, it's an act. So look, so now I'm reading this and I'm, and I'm examining this and I'm meditating on this. Faith is the same. Faith is not just this object that we hold in it, you know, and all of a sudden. No, faith is in action. Right? It says in the scripture that we all have been dealt a measure of faith. So everybody in this room has some. And in fact, that's the only thing that does save you. It's, it's by grace you're saved through faith. Through faith. Why? You have to believe that God said who, he, he is who He said He was, He did what He said He would do, and you're putting all your faith in that, and you're trusting that. Even though you did, the grace part is you didn't deserve that, but He did it anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, so faith. So now I've been dealt this measure of faith. I've got something in it. I've got some, I've got some skin in the game here. He gave it to me. Amen. So now I don't have... Listen, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, my, 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 I have a sick person among, if there's any sick among us. We have faith. He's dealt us each a measure of faith. Do we all have the same faith? Do we have, no, but my brothers and sisters, are we going to trust? Do we have enough faith to trust God? Are you trusting Him with your salvation? Are you trusting that He did call everything into creation just by calling it out, just by speaking it? Yes. So is there anything too hard for God? No. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Then trust Him. Trust Him with your whole heart. Trust Him with your life. And look at, let your actions show that you trust Him. What do I, man, it's going to cost you something. Someone's not going to like you. Someone's going to try to stay away from you. Someone's not going to be around you. They want to hear what you have to say. Hello? Come on. My brothers and my sisters, but that's, look at, that's faith. Hallelujah. So, so watch. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it for us. The body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. And so I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm mashing and meditating on this. God, you know, these folks know this, but, but what's the scoop? Let me tell you what the scoop is. I'm going to tell you. 
deeper so we can have faith for all of those things that I mentioned. God, I want my children saved. God, I want my, my mother healed. God, I want my uh, son healed. I want my daughter. God, I need this. God, I want you. I, I have faith. I know, Lord, that you know, this is an impossible situation. Uh, I've just lost my job, but I, and I need another job. And, and Lord, I know that financially you're my provider, so I'm just believing. I'm trusting. Has any of these things, uh, pray, have any of you prayed for that ever? Yes. Have any of you been blessed by that ever? Yes. Yes and amen. I mean, we've had healings among us. We've had people pray for jobs and get them. We've had uh, financial miracles. We've had many signs and wonders among this group. So my brothers and sisters, we know that we believe that we trust God for these things. Amen? amen. Okay. But now let me ask you something. I want to go back. Let's go back to the Ten Commandments. But let's go back to the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. If you, if you, if, listen, the basics of, the basic principles of the commandments are, of God can be summed up that way. If you don't know anything except the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount, or just Sermon on, either way, when you know those things, you know what the requirements of God are. Amen? See, the Pharisees knew the Ten Commandments, and they knew the rest of the Law of Moses. But they didn't understand the spiritual aspect of it. They didn't understand it. It has to change you on the inside. There's some things that you think that you're justified in doing, but you're not. So, so let me just give you some highlights. Please, bear with me a little while. I told you a little while, but I can just give me a few more minutes, okay? We're running a little late. Just give me a few more minutes. I'm just going to give you some highlights from, from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Hang with me. You heard it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, Tony. All right, I understand now. You trust God, trust God. So how do we get here? I'm going to tell you how. I can't do that in and of myself. If you can, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I need God to help me with that. Especially if you're making, you're lining yourself against my wife or my kids. No, 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 come on. I'm not trying to be funny here. I can't do that without God. I have to trust God for this. It doesn't make sense to me for when someone is going to threaten my wife or someone's an enemy of my wife or someone's an enemy of my kids or my, to, to pray for them, to try to love them. It's impossible for me to do that. It doesn't even make sense for me to do that. But Jesus is, this is Jesus speaking. Trust God. Do I trust Him? Okay, so now, yeah, I trust Him with the healing. I'm going to pray for my kids. How about this? Do you trust Him? Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. I'm going to tell you all something. In the church, there's a lot of this, I forgave them, and... You forgave them because you think you had to. Because you don't want to miss heaven. Come on. But in your heart, did you really forgive? Because God knows what's in your heart. You could say it all the live long day. And you could put on the good face when you're around the, that person. And you could put... Come on, man. See, this is... <laughs> my brothers and my sisters, we could do that. But did we really forgive? Because God knows the condition of your heart. And God is trying to say something. Now, again, I'm going to Tony, can I trust him for that? Because Tony can't do that by himself. Can I trust God for that? Yes. 
Come on. Can you trust him? God, it does not make any sense for me to forgive this person. They wronged me so bad. In fact, they did it more than once. How many times should you forgive them? Seven times 70. My, my, are, you, are you with me? Come on. So, so let me ask you something. Is there anything, any hurts from the past that you're hanging on to? And you say, well, I forgave. But in, inside you, you know when that wells up, your stomach stirs. Come on. Come on. Let me go to another one. Matthew, oh, I'm just really knocking it out of the park today, huh? You guys, here we go. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you leaning a little bit more toward the things of this life? And you may have justified. There's nothing wrong with me wanting this. Or there's nothing wrong with me having that. There's nothing wrong. Maybe not. But if that's what has your attention, if that's what your focus is on, that's got your heart. And God is supposed to have your heart. So what has your heart? What has your heart? See, I've been rebuked and kicked and chastised many times. My, my, I mean, you, you guys know, it's no secret how I feel about my family. But even my family can't take my focus off of God. And it will if I let it. And I've let it. I'm, I'm just telling you. Come on. So maybe yours isn't your family. Maybe you've been so blessed in this life that you think, well, God has blessed me and I'm good. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. But do those things then become what you're trusting in, what you're relying upon, what you're adhering to? And if you were faced with the, with the opportunity that someone stole from you, someone did you wrong, would you be able to trust God enough to let it go? Come on. If someone wronged you, whether you have a lot or whether you have little, would you, able, would you be able to forgive that person truly? Trust him. Amen? Amen? Trust him. You have to trust him, not just for these supernatural things, the healings and all that. Yeah, do you have to? Yes. Should we call on his name? Yes. Should we pray for our ch children to be healed and saved? Yes. But are you really seeking him and trusting him when you're giving your enemies to him and asking him to heal your heart about your enemies? Have you really forgiven those persons or do you just tolerate them because you know that if you don't, you're going to hell? Come on. Go quiet. Listen, I want to end on a high note. In Psalm 62, write it down, read it later. Psalm 62, 5 through 8, here's what it says. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him 
all the time, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Amen. So look, if you're on the mountaintop and things are going really good, hallelujah, praise the Lord. If you're somewhere in between or if you're low, things are bad, things are rotten. Or if God has just rebuked you through this word, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Trust him. He loves you. Stand with me, please. <laughs> you know, if God wants me to stop preaching this way, he's going to have to stop me. And then he's also going to have to make me just stop seeing these things happen before they happen. I don't want any of you or any of your relatives or anyone who you care about, anyone under the sound of my voice, or even the sound of your voice, to miss the rapture of the church. He's going to come and take us out of the way pretty soon. And it's going to get crazy. You don't want anyone to miss that. Amen? Amen? So Lord, here we are. Your children. We've heard your word, Lord. And now I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would continue, Lord, to have us meditate on this word. But Lord, give us your understanding. Each of us as individuals, give us the understanding that you want us to take away from this. Lord, I know that you want us to put our total trust in you. And so Lord, however that looks for each of us in our relationship with you, Father, minister to us and allow us, Lord, because of your word and because of your presence and because your word is living and powerful, Lord, allow this word to bring us to a better understanding, Lord, that we will trust you even more now than we did when we came in this room today. Lord, there are many under the sound of my voice right now who are facing challenges, who are having difficulties, just experiencing negative circumstances in our lives and in their lives. So, Lord, I pray because of this message, because you've spoke to our hearts, Lord, that we would trust you with it, whatever it is, that we would trust you with it. And, Lord, not sit and... No, Lord, that we would praise you, that we would pray to you, that we would continue to bring these things to you as you've instructed us in your word. But, Lord, then also wait patiently and listen for the still, small voice that would speak to us and tell us how, why, when, where, whatever it is that you have to say to us. Lord, help us to have spiritual ears to hear what you're saying. And help us, Lord, strengthen us in our hearts and on the inside, Lord, that we would have strong spirits to do what you are asking us to do. Thank you, Lord, for being so trustworthy. And now thank you, Lord, for helping me, us, we trust you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Go in peace. I apologize for taking so long.